Hey guys, it's Liz Kelly, here to tell you that we have a brand new podcast called Halloween Unmasked, premiering Monday, October 1st. Here's a sneak peek. There's trouble in the suburbs. A teenage girl named Lori Strode crosses a quiet street toward an ordinary house to find her friends. But Lori doesn't know that her friends are dead, and she doesn't know that she's walking right toward the masked killer, Michael Myers. The movie is Halloween. And Halloween just, it was like a, it was a breath of fresh, putrid air. He's a pure, unknowable evil. I'm film critic Amy Nicholson, and this is Halloween Unmasked, a podcast series from The Ringer celebrating the remarkable and terrifying rise of America's most revolutionary horror film. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to Halloween Unmasked and watch your back. I, I think the scariest part was that he doesn't die at the end. So when you're 10, it's like, that guy's still out there. <laughs> we, we gotta get him. Welcome to the Heat Check Podcast. I'm your host, John Gonzalez, joined uh, per usual by producer Isaac Lee behind the glass. Hey, basketball is back, Guns. Basketball is back. Preseason is underway. We are uh, rapidly barreling towards the regular season, and uh, we want to thank everybody for listening. Heat Check is back regularly now. We'll be back every single week. We want to thank you for listening. If you don't mind, please give us a review and rate us on Apple and iTunes. A five-star rating, if you don't mind, would be wonderful. All of a sudden, I'm like Al Pacino and uh, Ocean's 13 talking about the five Diamantes award, but we'd like it. If you're so inclined to rate us that way, we'd appreciate it. Uh, we've got all sorts of content for you on the ringer.com right now. We've got all sorts of NFL coverage. We've got the ringer NFL show also on the ringer podcasting network with Mason Clark. We've got GM street with Tate and Lombardi, the fantasy, the Danacy show with the Dannys. And of course the NBA on the ringer.com for NBA stuff. We've got best and worst case scenarios for all 30 teams. Paolo just did number 17 with the Miami Heat. He also went on a very interesting buddy cop routine with Boban where they went and checked out celebrity homes. Isaac, did you read this? Yeah, I did. Um, (laughs) So Paolo had mentioned that he was going to do this thing with Boban for like weeks. Yeah, And I was like, what are you actually going to do? Are you going to like have dinner with him? How are you going to profile him? He was like, we're actually going to do a tour of Hollywood. It's amazing. And I was so excited to read it. It's really, really good. So you should check it out. It's the comedy team up of our time, people. You need to read it. And there's also uh, video content as well. So go check that out. Check out Concepcion. Just did an NBA meme bracket. That's up on the ringer.com. And also KOC did a piece about how the Mavs might be better than we expect sooner than we expect. Later on in the show, we'll actually talk a little Mavs. Luka Doncic made his debut. So we're going to have Jonathan Charks, our resident Dallas insider. He'll be on the program to talk about Luka. Markel Fultz, and also he did a Carl Anthony Towns piece. We'll have him on. And uh, LeBron made his debut as a Laker in San Diego, and he's been taking Hollywood by storm. So we're bringing in a Hollywood expert for the first time ever, the head writer of The Late Late Show with James Corden and the host of All Fantasy Everything, and a big Blazers fan. We'll have a little Blazers talk with him. Ian Carmel will be on the program. But first, the Jimmy Butler saga drones on it is a hot topic and for that we need a hot heat check guest he's heating up he's on fire all right joining me on the other line one of our favorite repeat offenders here at the heat check podcast frankly this is the most important podcast he's ever done it's shea serrano what up boy what up man 
so they still won't give you a podcast, which I think is terrible and Tate Frazier is to blame for that. But did you realize that like in terms of crossovers, our producer, our esteemed producer, Ice, Isaac Lee made his writing debut. I believe it was his debut, right? Isaac, yeah. he wrote he wrote the Clippers best case, worst case scenario. So they're letting him cross over, but they're not letting you cross over. They're letting podcast producers write, but they won't let me have a podcast. Yeah. That's what you're telling me? That's what I'm telling you. I think it's unfortunate. Oh, this is, I got to turn in my two weeks notice. This is getting ridiculous. <laughs> you had a good run. You had a good run. So before you go, we're going to get into some basketball stuff with you. Jimmy Butler, still not resolved. Still kind of maybe a uh, Timberwolf. I guess officially, technically a Timberwolf in name only, though. In spirit, he has already checked out. What do you make of the Jimmy Butler drama? I'm quite enjoying it. Yeah, Jimmy Butler is as much a Timberwolf as I'm a Timberwolf at this point. So, <laughs> you're a Hall of Fame Timberwolf. <laughs> I think it's fun to watch. It's, I'm sure it sucks for Minnesota, but I just went through this whole same thing for eight months with Kawhi. So I want to see every other team have to deal with this now. Well, every time I tune into it, you hear something else. So the teams that have been mentioned, I went through the various reports, and I'm probably forgetting one here, but I'm going to list them off here. Teams that have been mentioned since this whole thing went down and Jimmy Butler said that he wanted to trade and he had been had enough from Minnesota. The Rockets, the Knicks, the Nets, the Clippers, the Pistons, the Sixers, the Heat, the Blazers, <laughs> and the Kings. Uh, I don't do math. That's quite a big chunk of the league. Yeah, I feel like you're just reading the names of the teams in the NBA <laughs> off of like the wiki page. I think some of those teams aren't even in the NBA. I don't know. So the Rockets would be interesting because, you know, adding him into James Harden and Chris Paul and to a lesser extent, Carmelo Anthony would make them obviously right off the bat. I mean, they were already challenging the Warriors for the Western Conference. Now it's legit like, okay, what's going to really happen here? And he does exactly what the Rockets like, which is shoot threes and get to the free throw line. He wants to go to New York. So maybe the Knicks and Nets. KOC said on the Simmons podcast that like some of the return for what the Timberwolves want is unreasonable. And as an example of this, he said that the Sixers had reached out and the Timberwolves were like, yeah, cool. We'll take Simmons back. Ben, not Bill. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, oh man, that's a lot to ask. I wonder how reasonable, like there's been these reports of, you know, Glenn Taylor, the owner saying, just deal with me. And then Scott laid in the GM and Tom Thibodeau being like, yeah, we're going to drag our feet on this because we want to keep Jimmy. How do you think this is playing out and how reasonable or unreasonable do you think their asking price is? I saw the thing about him ask them asking for cement, which is ludicrous, of course. You know what the deal is with Jimmy? I think the, I think the gig is up here. I think everybody has figured out he's not the guy that you need when you want to win a title. He's, he's like the guy you plug in when you don't have anything else to plug in there. That's why the Sixers are like, no, there's no chance we're going to do that because him going to that team doesn't help them win the title. Him going really anywhere is not going to help anybody win the title, which is why there hasn't been a bunch of noise from the other side for teams who want him. We're only hearing it from Jimmy's side, like, oh, I would love to play for any of these teams. But none of the teams are saying the same thing, you know? Yeah, and like I, I think part of that, obviously, you know, there's been this stuff about how difficult he may or may not be to play with. And um, Jimmy had given this interview to Vice last year, Michael Pena, who he said, like, I don't understand why you don't want to chase greatness the way I want to chase greatness. Talking about players in general and, and like not so subtly subtweeting in the interview Wiggins and Cat. But on the other hand, I look at Jimmy Butler and go, He's a dog, man. He's fucking great. He plays 
excellent defense. He gets to the line. He shoots threes. He, like I love everything about his game. I would love to see him on the Sixers, not in exchange for Ben Simmons, but I'd like to see him on. <laughs> I'd like to see him with Ben Simmons and Embiid, and like you know, roll the dice. Like he's a, he's a superstar, and I, I understand why certain teams aren't going after him because like he is going to be a free agent. The Wolves don't really have a lot of leverage. He is going to be 29 as well. And like, you know, there are these issues about him. But me personally, I love his game. Well, yeah, I, that's easy to say, though. You're saying, I would love to have Jimmy Butler on the Sixers, but I don't want to give up anything for him. Like, that's that's where we are with Jimmy at this point. Curse, send him to the Spurs, but I don't want to trade anybody on the Spurs for him. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's where we are. The, the crazy thing about the Jimmy Butler situation, this is how wild things have gotten. I was on the internet recently, like, I don't know, two days ago. You're on the internet and I came a lot. Across, I came across a clip of Jimmy Butler at his press conference when he joined the Timberwolves. And he was like, oh, I'm in on the, you know, ask anybody about me. If I'm on the team, these are my people. I'm for Minnesota. But when I saw it, somebody had sent it around recently. And I thought he had just re-signed with the Timberwolves. <laughs> it just was like, oh, okay. That's where, like, that's how wild this whole situation is. Anything could happen from this point forward and be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, last year when they when they got Jimmy, I was like, this is perfect for them, right? Like, it's exactly what they need. They need a veteran to really, like, command the team and marshal them and, like, sort of bootstrap them into the playoffs. And Because, you know, Wiggins and Cat are good players, or, you know, Cat is, and Wiggins is whatever you think about him. But, like, this is perfect for them. <laughs> and, and, you know, obviously the chemistry component is a problem. I... On the one hand, I go, okay, well, she is going to be a free agent. So we've learned the Carmelo Anthony Knicks lesson in the past where don't trade for a guy that you could ostensibly just sign with cap space the following summer. But on the other uh-huh. hand, like I would give up something for Jimmy Butler if I had some sort of like handshake, wink, nod agreement that he'd be willing to at least entertain the idea of staying. I, it just wouldn't be Simmons or Embiid in the Sixers case. It would be, you know, Fultz and... Sarich or something of that order, maybe that first round pick that they got from Miami. But I wonder what he is worth because, again, the ownership front office situation is contentious and makes them lose leverage there. He is 29. He is going to be a free agent. He does have these questions about him. I don't think you're going to get a Kawhi deal where you get like a DeRozan and a Pirtle and a protected first. What do you think Jimmy is worth if somebody's trying to trade for him now? I think he's worth whatever the level of superstar under. DeMar DeRozan is. So He's not in that even category a, Not now. even a De- DeMar. No, I would much rather have DeMar because DeMar doesn't come with all of the baggage that, that Jimmy comes with now. Like, that's a real concern at this point. Every team he's been on lately, it seems like he leaves and everybody turns out hated him. And that's a, that's a weird thing to, like, invite into your locker room, especially if you have championship aspirations. Because I was on that same but with you last season when they when they got Jimmy yeah. in Minnesota, I was like, Oh, this is a perfect fit. This is exactly what they need and it just fell apart. So I don't you know, I don't I don't think you could risk I don't think you can talk yourself into risking a like legit first or second team all NBA player. I think it has to be somebody below that. Isaac, the Clippers have been mentioned as a potential trade partner, and obviously, yes, they have. obviously, uh, they've been mentioned with Kawhi as well. Potentially, come the off season, do you want Jimmy? I mean, obviously, you take Kawhi, but do you want Jimmy? And do you think that if they got Jimmy, that that would help or hurt potentially getting Kawhi? Because again, as Shay said, you know, there's all these questions about do you want to play with Jimmy or not. So that's 
twofold, right? So yeah. do I want Jimmy? Yes. I think I just want a star who actually wants to play for the Clippers. Not necessarily, you know, he probably isn't like, oh, I would love to be a Clipper. He just kind of wants to be in a big city, it seems like. But I would like to have a star play for the Clippers who wants to play for the Clippers and not the Lakers. Because every star we've had has never wanted to play for the Clippers. So that would be setting a precedent, building a narrative a new narrative around the Clippers. So yeah, I would love Jimmy Butler. Do I think he'll help us get Kawhi? I'm not sure about that. Kawhi's a weird guy, as we've seen. So we don't really know what he wants. We don't know if he actually wants to play with another star. We probably know that he wants to win, as all NBA stars go. But does that mean he wants to play with another star to try to get a championship? Is one more star really going to do it with Kawhi and Butler? I don't know about that. I think those are all really good points, but the only thing I heard from that uh, when Isaac was talking, Shay, was how he just wants to love a player who loves him back. And like Clippers fandom yeah. is is so sweet and sad. <laughs> <laughs> I feel for you guys. Um, Shay, what do you think? Like the longer this goes on, I think like the tougher it gets for the Timberwolves to actually move him before the season starts. And if the season starts and they ask Jimmy to report and he doesn't report, then a 30-day clock starts on him where it could impact his free agency for next season. So my question is, is there a way to put the genie back in the bottle? Is there a scenario that you envision where they go, look, we don't have a deal on the table right now. You got to come back until we do. And could they fold him back into the mix when it's so messy? No. If they don't get any offers for him, they can't put together a deal. He'll go back to the Timberwolves just because he don't want to screw his stuff up. But beyond that, it's gonna it's gonna be like after you your girlfriend has cheated on you and you like try to stay together, but you're always looking at her with those eyes. Those you cheated on me eyes. That's what it is. So Tibbs is dragging his feet on this because I think like part of me again thinks, and this is crazy because Tibbs is generally like insane and screaming and you know like looks like his face is going to explode but i think he might have a point on this if you're just looking at it from where the wolves fall in the western conference and like how good they could i mean they were two wins away from being the third seed and not the eighth seed last year and they're better with jimmy than without just from a pure on paper basketball standpoint and if he's going to go into the season and try to make the playoffs it's going to be better with jimmy than without and you know like that way, if they do fire him next year, or let him go or whatever, he could go, well, look, I got the Wolves to the playoffs two years in a row. Like, I don't know. I don't, I kind of like don't even blame Tibbs for not wanting to move Butler. No, he's in a no-win situation at this point. He can just do whatever he feels is going to help him get his next job for sure, which is the same thing Jimmy should do. It's the same thing anybody should do in any situation, really. Yeah. All right, last one on Jimmy Butler, and then I got some other things I wanted to run past you. But do you think... Do you think he does get traded before the season starts? And where do you want to see him go? Like, what's the fun storyline where we all go, oh, yeah, that's, you know what, let's see that. I want to see him go to Washington. Let's get him and John Wall on the same team and see what happens. For some reason, I feel like that's going to work out really, really great. So that, <laughs> I feel like you're being facetious. Um, that would be, so you'd swap out what, like an Otto Porter or something like that in that scenario? Yeah, you can have, you can have Otto. I've, you have Otto and Dwight Howard. <laughs> um, I uh, I would like to see him on the Rockets. I, I mean, like if you're going to have a crazy ass team with Melo too, like throw uh, Jimmy on there and see what happens with the Warriors and like can they actually get past the Warriors? I mean, they almost did before Chris Paul went down. Like that would be a fun team for me. I'd love to see that. 
That would be the worst possible team for me. I don't know what the Rockets are doing anymore. I feel like they're at the store just picking up shit. Yeah. And there's no recipe at all. We're just going to eat what we get. And you've got a bunch of, you've got like some spaghetti and some strawberries and a, <laughs> a bottle of that. Like, I have no idea what's going on. What are we cooking here, guys? It's a fun, you know what though? But those can be fun nights where you're just like, we're going to have a smorgasbord of, of random. And here's the other thing. As, as chefs go, I trust Daryl Morey's taste. He's good at this. Yeah, he knows it definitely more than I do because uh, I'm, you know, I'm sure it's going to work out fine. They'll be the second best team in the NBA probably, and if they don't, like whatever's Carmelo's fault, who cares? Yeah, they'll blame, but, they'll, they'll blame Carmelo. All right, other teams that are going to be good in the NBA. Uh, sadly, I hate to say this, but the Boston Celtics are going to be good. They're very deep. They're very talented. They got Kyrie back, and he was uh, talking about how you know he Rachel Nichols has, had asked him like, hey, you know, do you think that you might stay or go when you're a free agent in the offseason. And he said, you know, like people are assuming that I'm going to go, but we're already pretty effing good right now. And I agree with him, but I wonder if there's trouble in paradise. Cause did you see what Gordon Hayward said about last season? What did Gordon Hayward say about last season? This is good. This is a good two man weave. So Gordon Hayward came back and, uh, he was on the pardon my take podcast and he was asked about watching his team succeed without him. And his quote was, I don't think you'd be human if there wasn't a part of you that was like, I hope that we lose. Yeah, I get that. You do. Do you not? not, Yeah. Are you not for that? Does that not make sense in your ears when you hear that? I think he said the, the quiet part loud. You can't say that. I mean, like, I think, I think maybe part of you would be like, oh, you know, they're doing like, like, for example, uh, I don't know if you know this. I'm from Philadelphia and the Eagles won the Super Bowl last year and Carson Wentz had a watch from the sideline. I'm sure he wanted to be out there and like to watch his team win the Super Bowl without him was probably bittersweet. But I don't know, like people would have lost their shit if he was like, yeah, I wanted us to lose. Maybe, but I would, you would have understood. He wasn't happy about that. There's no way he was happy about that. Do you remember in uh, that movie Varsity Blues? Uh, they talk. They have this like exact scene. They're all fighting in ha- at halftime of the last game in the locker room, and Coach Bud Kilmer is <laughs> trying to convince them that Paul Walker's character is is he wants them to lose because Paul Walker was their quarterback and he got hurt. Like that was the only time in that movie he, he made sense to me. This makes sense for Gordon to say that. If I was out of work, if I had to take like a month off from the Ringer. I want, I, when I come back, I want it to be like almost bankrupt and everything falling apart. <laughs> like that just makes sense to me. I want to be the, I want to, I want to be a valuable piece. We can't. And if I'm gone and the ringer does better, like that's kind of sucks for me. We can't succeed without, uh, without Shay. I, in that scenario though. So what you're telling me is much like the way they made Paul Walker's character, the head coach at halftime, they should have made, they should have fired Brad Stevens last year and made Gordo the head coach. I think we we might be a little spun around here, but maybe something like that. All I know is he said what what I felt. I feel the same way. I would assume everybody feels that same way. I just wonder if like the guys in the locker room would be giving him the side eye, like if they're just like, "Oh, yo, dude, easy," you know, like what happened to the whole like uh, we're all a team, in, all in it together type of deal. Nah, you don't want that. You want to be you want to be a piece of the thing. If they win the championship. Without Gordon, all that means is they don't need Gordon. That's all it means. That's 100% what it means. Why do we have to have you here? But if they lose and he comes back and they win, 
then he gets go, oh, well, we needed Gordon. <laughs> he just wants to be needed. It makes sense, man. He wants, he wants to be wanted. I understand that impulse. Uh, a guy who wanted to be wanted and now is wanted uh, in Toronto. Did you watch Kawhi's debut or can you not? Is it too raw still? I don't know who you're talking about. You've never Kawhi? heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> he uh he played for the Toronto Raptors. He didn't mm-hmm. uh, this will make you feel better. I watched the okay. game because I have uh I lead a full life, so I watched their first Toronto Raptors preseason game against the Portland Trailblazers. He looked rusty. Mm-hmm. Uh he didn't shoot well. He was 3 for 8 from the field. He only made 6 of his 11 shots from the line, which is uncharacteristic for him. He didn't nail any of his three-pointers. He just uh, he just looked off. Uh I think that's probably natural for a guy who did hardly played at all last season. I mean, how do you like, I know how you feel about Kawhi, but how do you feel about Kawhi on the Raptors and the Raptors prospects? Cause I think like I've got the Celtics first and then I've got the Sixers and the Raptors as like that second tier right below the Celtics in the Eastern conference. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think they, they can't be any lower than third. I would probably put them second. If mm-hmm. Kawhi gets back to what we saw before he was injured, if, if he's, plays like he played in 2014, for example. He's automatically the best player in the Eastern Conference. And as we've seen for the last eight, nine years, whichever team has the best player is going to the NBA Finals. So if he's that, I don't think you can put him any lower, the Raptors any lower than two. But I think he makes sense on that team. I think it's going to work out well. I hope it does. I like to joke around and say, like, oh, you know, Kawhi who or whatever. But the NBA is more fun when Kawhi Leonard is really, really good. The NBA is always more fun when a player that you don't like is really good. Like, I like to root against James Harden. Mm -hmm. That only works if James Harden is playing really, really well. When he's the MVP of the league, it's cool for me to root against him because, you know, that threat is there, that danger is there. I need need a guy on the other side, on the other team, who is like, going to slit my team's throat you know what i'm saying i told oh, so if Kawhi, if Kawhi goes out there and it's a, and it's a bust and he's just terrible this season that's not going to be any fun i need for him to be good i need the raptors to be good that way when they come to san antonio in january <laughs> it's it's fantastic i already bought my tickets by the way i was going to say not that you already looked on the calendar for when this is going to happen i'm a 100 <laughs> percent agreement with you that like Sports are more fun. Like obviously, everybody has a team that they want to root for, a player they want to root for. But it's also fun when you have something to root against. Like for me, it's all things Boston. I just like to root against all things. I have a bunch of friends from Boston. It's just fun to be like, oh, I don't like Boston. This is great. Um, so for you, yes, that would be like a nice development if you could gin up some dislike for Kawhi and the Raptors. What about the like though for DeRozan? Before I let you go, uh, the the Spurs played their first preseason game. Uh, Pop did his pop thing and gave you know fifteen. 18 minutes to all of his starters. DeRozan had 18 minutes. Do you like DeRozan? He feels like it would be, he'd be kind of like a hard guy to get behind. No, he's great. I can tell you right now, I've been, I've been, I moved to San Antonio a couple months ago. He's already a beloved figure in San Antonio. They're all in. He stepped into like, he stepped into the perfect scenario for him, for a guy to be traded from a team that he wanted to play for, to go to a new team. Like arriving in San Antonio is exactly the type of, situation he needed to be in because it doesn't matter what he does if he puts on the jersey and he stands on the court we're gonna go fucking nuts for demar DeRozan. he's the guy we're all adding capital letters to our name we're gonna grow our hair out it's gonna be fantastic we love him already and he's only played as you said 18 minutes in a in a spurs jersey but let him get a dunk DeMar DeRozan, one of the best dunkers in the NBA for the last couple of years, like in-game dunkers, let him get a dunk on somebody, mm-hmm. which rarely happens in San Antonio. 
we'll build him a statue next week. I love this. Uh, we're going to call you Deshay De Serrano after this. That's, that's your new name. Perfect. Uh, anyth- Perfect. Anything you want to plug for The Ringer coming up? I don't want to plug anything. I especially don't want to plug anything up on the podcast network. Not for the podcast network, but you can find him all the time on theringer.com. He's everywhere. He's Shea Serrano. Thanks for doing this, homie. Hi, Bob. All right, that was Shea Serrano. We left Avenue on the program. We're going to bring in Ian Carmel in just a second. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's Ringer NBA show Heat Check is brought to you by Simply Safe. Here's why we're big fans of Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe is ready for anything that gets thrown at it. If a storm takes out your power, Simply Safe is ready. If an intruder cuts your phone line, Simply Safe is ready. Say they destroy your keypad or sirens, Simply Safe will still get you the help that you need. Here's what we love about that. Maybe it's overkill. Maybe you don't need to be ready for every worst case scenario. But Simply Safe is always ready just in case. That's what makes it great. And now Simply Safe could cost you an arm and a leg. It should probably, but it doesn't. And that's because they're good people. They charge you what's fair and what's right. And you know what that is? $14.99 a month. No contracts, no hidden fees. We recommend Simply Safe to everyone. You've got to check it out. Go to simplysafe.com slash NBA. That's simplysafe.com slash NBA. And now, Ian Carmel. All right, joining me in the studio, I'm very excited about this. He's the head writer for The Late Late Show with James Corden. He's the host of All Fantasy Everything. He's got a stand-up special on Netflix. He's jet-setting all over. Frankly, the most famous person we've ever had on Heat Check. Thank you. It's it's good to be the most famous person. And seeing Carmel is here. Uh, it previously did. It's a very low bar. Previously, it was Simmons and then Concepcion's dog, Milton. Yeah, but yeah, now yeah. it's you. I think Simmons might be more famous than me. This is great, though. It's a, it's a challenge. If it's just, it's like, I don't know, one's got like five or six million Twitter followers. Followers. Yeah. The other has a 15-minute special on Netflix. Pretty it's close. Real, it's pretty close. Tough to weigh those two things. Milton and Milton might be, you know, Milton might be the Velvet Underground. If we're the two big bands, <laughs> he's the, Milton is the most influential guest you've he, ever had. He's got a cult following. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he'll, he'll wander in here at some point. But I wanted to bring you in because uh, we you frequently will tweeted us about basketball. You love basketball. Yes, and also, I love you guys and I love basketball. And you are in show business and I thought who better to talk about the intersection of show business and basketball and the Lakers and LeBron than yes. you. He's here. Uh, he had his first game last night. He sure did. They lost to the Nuggets in San Diego. He played 15 minutes. He had nine points. He shot two of six from the field. It mm-hmm. wasn't a very good LeBron game. I think, frankly, he's probably washed. I think he's washed. I think. That's I mean, it well, him. it's hard to tell when you run into a buzzsaw like Juancho Hernan Gomez. <laughs> it's it's really hard to gauge whether or not he's washed. You know what yeah. I mean? That's going up against the best. I'd like to see him against lesser competition. Yeah, and see how that goes. It's tough for him to to start out uh, <laughs> with that kind of competition right I, away. I know the Nuggets have like a consistency and are like running back the same team. And when mm. you don't have a lot of training camp, that like matters, but. I'm not as sold as the. I'm seeing people now like uh, like Lakers two seed, maybe three seed, and I I just can't buy it yet. And I love I love LeBron James, but I can't buy like them finishing that high. That team is just too wacko. It's too crazy. The Western Conference is is interesting. Like you've got, obviously you've got the Rockets and the Warriors at the top, but then afterwards you throw in your Blazers and the Thunder. We'll talk about the Blazers, yeah. Thunder and Jazz and all that stuff. But it's like pretty much up for grabs after the top two guys. And I kind of oscillate back and forth between going, yeah, the team is really fucking crazy. It's you've crazy. Got, you've got Lance Stevenson Lance, and JaVale. How is there not a scenario where Lance and JaVale have like accidentally stolen the Goodyear blimp? Like they didn't mean to, <laughs> but they're like floating above Los Angeles. Yeah. They think that there's like traffic and that's how they're going to get to Staples Center. And then it's the two of them hovering over Staples 
and we just have like helicopter shots, like it's a police chase. It's, it's in. It's gonna have something. Bananas is gonna, going happen to happen with this team because it has to. And I feel like LeBron has had some really crazy teams in the last couple of years where yes. there's been a lot of dysfunction. Obviously, with the Cavs last year, there was a lot of roster turnover. And right now, everything's good, right? It's preseason. They're talking yeah. Magic and Palenka are talking about how they have the deepest team in the NBA, which is sure. hilarious sure, and, sure. and wonderful. <laughs> yeah. uh, but they, but they do have this crazy cast of characters, and eventually, when it's less rosy and less sunny and they like actually get to know each other. And LeBron remembers that Lance blew into his ear. Yeah. Like, then what happens? Yeah. He's going to be like, Oh wait, fuck this guy. I've hated <laughs> this guy the entire time. Like I realized like prime LeBron mm-hmm. could bring a team that had like Delonte West, you know, oh, I deep, forgot about deep into Delonte. the playoffs, for example. But like, is this era of LeBron going to want to deal with that? Especially with as many showbiz things as he has on his plate. Can, does he, I wonder if he thinks he can win a championship with this team. So, like I said, part of me goes, oh, yeah, this team is going to be weird, and they're going to— I wrote about this, uh, ringer.com, shout out and plug. Uh, that, Big website. Uh, check uh, it out. You should, check out the website. You should read it. It's yeah. really, it's all the kids are reading it now. Uh, but I think, like, LeBron invariably ends up changing his teams. Yes. So the team that he has right now won't be the team that he has in February. That's true. That's 100%. He's going to get somehow, like, Mike Muscala. Somebody you know? will come. Somebody crazy. <laughs> but he'll get tired of some guys, and, and he'll want new guys, and they'll come in. But I, I wonder, like you, where I go, okay— is this team capable of it? And then I go, but he's LeBron. Like he is LeBron LeBron and he's been LeBron for so long. He's always LeBron. His whole life. He's been LeBron. He's been LeBron the whole time. The whole time. Yeah. And he's still LeBron. Right. So I go, ah, it's hard to bet against the dude. It really is. It's, it's maddening. The, everything that's happening with the Lakers as, as a Blazers fan who, you know, we're, we're a very salty fan base. Yeah. uh, Secretly or not secretly. I have no idea what the perception is, but, uh, it's this weird thing where it's like, we hate the Lakers more than anyone, right? Hate the Lakers. Like the Beat LA chant and yeah, all that. They don't care. Hate the Lakers them. don't care. The Lakers don't care at all. It's a real <laughs> little brother situation. <laughs> but now, but like I've been really against like the Warriors and the super team thing. But now, do I want the Warriors to be good mm. to take out the Lakers, who I've always hated? Or do I want the Lakers to take out the Warriors, who I hate the most now? It's a real, en- like the enemy of my enemy, yeah. but none of them are my friends. None of, no, and and as a basketball junkie, I kind of think the same way. Like, obviously, uh, you know, I grew up watching the Sixers and watching the Lakers' dominance uh, got old after a while. But with the Warriors, there's sort of, every season has this anticlimactic yeah. feel to it, right? Like, we know going in what's going to happen this it's year. It's like watching again. Game of Thrones at the Emmys. It's like, all right, okay. Right. Yeah, oh, you guys won again. <laughs> oh, congratulations. Slow clap. Yeah. Wow. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, LeBron in L.A. could court some people to come and potentially, eventually, maybe, you know, give May- the Warriors yeah. a little bit of a run. May- maybe some people who recently signed to Clutch Sports and are in a small market. There you go. Yeah. So, like, cl- that whole Clutch thing is... It's a perfect feeder system and pipeline for him. It really is. It's like an AAU system. He yeah, uses the rest of the NBA as an AAU system. Come sign with Clutch, and then we'll get you up to the big leagues. He created his own <laughs> AAU system. It really is amazing. But you mentioned like the the Hollywood stuff, and I find it fascinating because so it always looked like LeBron was coming to LA, and we've been bracing yes. for it, and and I think it's going to be fun and interesting. And like LeBron in LA on the Lakers is a massive story and will continue to be so. But he was asked about like all the little Hollywood, like he's got a a shit ton of stuff happening in Hollywood. And that was obviously a big component for him coming here, even though he would never say that that factored in the basketball is he always, he's very careful about saying basketball was the only thing. Right. But he was asked about it at media day and he got sort of like, 
not indignant, but he like a little, got his, huffy. A little and he goes, you know, like, obviously you don't know who I am. I've always been doing this and like, I can handle my business. You have one full time, well, several full time yeah, yeah, gigs, yeah. but like as he's <laughs> LeBron has to be LeBron and keep like the basketball component going. And now he's business LeBron too. I don't, I don't know how he plans to do that, but I also, do you ever run into these people like here since you've lived in LA where they're like, working on like six different things. Every Uber driver I've had. Every Uber. But like yeah. <laughs> even like high level people where they're like, like the executive producer of the Late Late Show is this guy like Ben Winston, who uh, I think it's like been on JJ Reddick's podcast weirdly. I'm but, sure. Uh, but he produces our show. JJ. Uh, J- everybody loves JJ. JJ. Ringer employee of the month, JJ. JJ like 12 Reddick. months running. Go to hell, JJ Reddick. Yeah, if you're listening on, to this. You're on this one. Yeah. Corden can go on this the other This is the one. one for the real heads. James James Corden didn't know that the Clippers were a basketball team. He says the <laughs> Lakers and the other one. All right. You want real late, late show hoop stock. You come here. That's right. To a team who know, knows who Omri Caspi is. Is uh, he still in the league? Uh, I'm maybe, asking you. Maybe. I think he's on Memphis. Sure. Sure. Um... But uh, I, I kind of think LeBron can get it done. I almost think he's the kind of guy who's going to be like sitting in an ice tub with an iPad that has like dailies from some children's movie that he's producing on it and just like approving <laughs> things or not approving things. I also think he probably is going to have like a uh, dilettante's touch on whatever whatever it is he's working on. He'll be like, maybe. And then other people who know more what they're doing. will be like shepherding be, it through. Yes. I just wonder about his multitasking. Cause, and this is something that I talked to. Like we have uh, a lot of people here at the ringer who do many, many different things. Yeah. Like I, I ask Chris Ryan all the time. In addition to Chris Ryan being like, I forget what his new title is. He's got a crazy new title. It yeah. was previously executive editor, editorial director. Editorial thank director. you, Isaac Lee, <laughs> our producer talking in my ear. Who does know who the Clippers who are. Right, knows who the Clippers <laughs> Isaac is very talented. Isaac's got, everybody's got a new title here, but Chris is a editorial director. He writes all the time. Yeah. He's got 12 different podcasts of, of renown. He's also my editor. Right. Uh, and then on top of that, he's like consuming all this pop culture where I'll, I'll, he'll talk about some show on the watch. I'm like, when are you watching the show? And I know he's like six episodes deep on it. He plays shortstop for the Dodgers. He's I think very he's good. Next up behind Kavanaugh, yes. he doesn't get through for the Supreme Court. Yeah, I hope. I hope <laughs> he gets through. He's, he's be got much a better. fantastic legal mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I want to know, like, so just doing that much stuff as a normal human is very impressive. Yeah. But then there's like LeBron level stuff where not only are you playing playing basketball at a at the, the highest of the high. You're the best player of your generation, maybe the best player ever. Yeah. Uh, his body, how, like the time it takes to put it into his body. And then on top of that, all the business shit, like when does he sleep? I don't I don't know. Maybe he's one of those guys who sleeps like four nights a week. Or, I mean, maybe he reads <laughs> He Griff's takes from, nights off where he, he's not sleeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's yeah, alternating. He just stays up. I meant to say four hours a day, but, but four, four nights a four week nights works a week is very <laughs> impressive. If he did it, I would be like, sure, he's LeBron. You got to do something while you're getting those East German blood transfusions, right? Maybe that's when he's reading scripts. Yes. I'm bringing East German and uh, steroid phobia Kobe back. used to do that shit. He'd like fly over and get like the, the blood. They'd spin tra- his blood yeah, and then put it back in. Yeah. Those I, are long flights. Maybe I, that's where he's reading the scripts. I find it um, very impressive that Le- LeBron can pull all that stuff off. Like he's got the shop on HBO. Mm-hmm. He's got all, you know, his podcast network. Now Jamel Hill has left ESPN is going to do something for him. Right, right. He's doing uh, shouts to Mike Levin, our buddy who does the oh, right yeah. Sanchez podcast. He's, he just, uh, they just sold a pilot to uh, the Ben Simmons one, the right? Ben Simmons yeah. one, Brotherly Love to NBC. So he's got all these things going on. And I just wonder like, if the proximity to Hollywood, like it's one thing to be doing all this shit from Cleveland where you're not really, like you said, you're farming it out to people. Yes. And it's another where you're here, you're on the ground. I think what him being in Los Angeles allows him to do is when there's that last meeting that needs to get a show or a movie or a script or whatever over the goal line, 
him being in LA means he can show up at that meeting and three or four executives can get a picture with LeBron. And he says like four or five things that have been handed to him right. on a note card. Or maybe he speaks from the heart. He's a very smart guy. I'm sure he has actual opinions on this stuff, especially on things like the, you know, the shop. Is that, that's what it's called, right? Yeah, the yeah, HBO, on the yeah. HBO, yeah, yeah. The shop, things like that that are more conversation and opinion-based, maybe less script-based. And uh, just having like a charismatic person who's going to make like uh, the, the most intimidating people in that room, like the executives, are going to be fawning over him. Sure. I think that's that's just a huge advantage. And if he can leverage that, I mean, that's what, like, people want pictures with him all the time. And if you can walk into a room and be like, yeah, the president of Fox or whatever wants a picture with me, and he can leverage that into maybe getting a show sold, that's probably what being in L.A. lets him do. More than, like, the day-to-day kind of thing. I'm sure that's what he's doing. I find that um, peer-level fame interaction very interesting because I don't experience that, obviously. Uh, But LeBron was talking the other day at practice. Somebody asked him about Lil Wayne being back in the game, and he's like, where'd Lil Wayne go? He's been making music since 96. And, like, it was so obvious that he was just talking about a peer. Yeah. And I just wonder what that's like when he walks into a room. Like, I'm sure with Corden, like, people come, you see famous people all the time. All the time. The way that they interact is, like, normal as opposed to, you know, those of us who are normies going, oh shit, that's somebody really famous. I know, like you can barely breathe around them. Yeah. And then, yeah, they're just like, they're chatting. Like it's like if you saw somebody like at Whole Foods who you worked at The Ringer with. Yeah. It's like that kind of thing. Tiffany Haddish was on our show, like, uh, and I think did Simmons' podcast too, but he was on our, sh- she was on our show last week and she was there early. And like, I don't think her and Corden had even ever met each other before. And then they saw each other. It's just like, we're both famous. We know what right. this is. It's like two dogs sniffing each other. Like, yeah. Oh, this is normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They're also like charismatic for a living. So I think just when you get two of those people around each other. Damn them. Yeah. It's really it's it's like a perfect we're, storm. So we're on a uh, movie lot here at The Ringer and we see people all the time, but like, you know, it's de rigueur to go up and say anything to I them. Oh, yeah. Like, and I was a big uh, West Wing fan and I saw Joshua Molina. Yeah. And I was like, oh, right. I can't. I yeah, just have to look at you from Josh afar. Josh Molina, you can. Yeah. I think that's, I think that that's is an acceptable level. level. Over and say hi. I think he would be thrilled. <laughs> I think he would be like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. You know, yeah. you know, you get a little higher up the ladder, like, uh, like, uh, Bradley Whitford, you know, from the, West, up Wing. the West Wing ladder. Just, right. ex- ex- yeah. Maybe don't talk to him. Right? Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Although he was so affable as the president, maybe he would want to talk to you. This is your vote a little you're bit. You're hitting all my West Wing sweet spots. Yeah. Dulé Hill. That's a wild card. This is really going. Love the West as, Wing. As the Heat Check podcast is gone, this is the most West Wing uh, conversation we've ever had. Dulé Hill's a tough one because I mean, like <laughs> West Wing, he was he was great, you know, right. and then he's in Ballers for a little bit too. Oh yeah. So you have the sports angle. You right. can work that. It's a nice crossover. I yeah. like that. Um, all right. So we did Lakers. I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, so you know, like obviously LeBron's got a lot of crazy teammates right yes. now. He left behind one particular cra- crazy teammate in <laughs> Cleveland that I wanted to run this past you. So J.R. Smith doing J.R. Smith things in Cleveland. Yeah. Can't not be J. In the same way that LeBron has always been LeBron, J.R. Smith can't stop being J.R. Smith. He got a tattoo. Yeah. He's got many tattoos. But the new one that he got is a Supreme tattoo, which is on his leg. I believe it's on his back right calf. And it's just, you know, it's the Supreme logo yeah. up his leg. And I didn't realize that this would be a thing. It feels like more of an NFL thing. But uh, according to Sham Charnia at The Athletic, uh, the NBA informed uh, J.R. Smith that he would be fined per game during the season for the Supreme tattoo on his leg unless it is covered. And uh, J.R. is going to have some conversations with the league oh about this. God. I didn't realize that this was like potentially a problem. Back in the day, uh, Rashid Wallace was going to get like a Nestle tattoo and yeah. the NBA stepped in and like Paul Pierce had a blade on his forearm that he had to cover up. Uh, but yeah, they said that 
this is something that he will either have to change or remove wow. or cover up because he will get fined per game. I don't know. Like I don't know. It's expensive to be a hype beast. It's yeah. expensive. <laughs> so, so Concepcion said that yeah. uh, Supreme should pay for his fine because they're getting some good publicity. They absolutely should. They should. They should also do something to manage the uh, crowds of teenagers who are going to line up outside of his thigh. Yeah. Just anytime you put a Supreme logo, there's going to be a line of teenagers right outside. Thank of God it. he didn't get like an Abercrombie and Fitch right. or Urban oh. Outfitters. Then he would have to have that weird cologne fog every time you walk by. Would <laughs> see like a chemical weapon attack happened in that. Um, the Supreme should be. I don't know. Like Supreme's a little bit different, right? I mean, that's like the Nestle thing that uh, she'd wanted. It was clearly a ploy to get Nestle to give him money for it. Yeah. And or candy. And or, yeah, right. Or mm -hmm. candy or maybe something to color in that. Sure. You know, is that a, is, I've still, is that a bald spot or is it a gray's patch? It's a on patch. Sheets? It's a patch, yeah. right? Yeah. I um, like it. It's very distinctive. I kind of like it but too. But I wonder yeah. like about the line for, like, where does the NBA draw the line on? Like how they can legislate what somebody puts on their person, right? Because like, I, I guess it is a corporate logo, but also it's just a word. Like, like. Uh, Gortat, I'm pretty sure, has an Air Jordan tattoo. And yeah. That's never been a problem, but well, that's a brand. And in the 90s, all those players who came up in the 90s have those terrible and one guy tattoos. Oh, yeah. You know, the faceless, he's wearing mm. basketball shorts, but he's got a ripped torso and, and no face. Tapes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's I got a face like a motorcycle guys. helmet. There's a lot. I think like Joel Prisbilla had one of those. I mean, Joel Prisbilla needs to do something, right? The to, vanilla to gorilla. He's got to definitely stand out. Do you have any ink? I have no ink. If you were gonna get some ink, yeah. uh, would you like? Would you uh, obviously Supreme yeah. on your calf? That's, Supreme that's on my calf. I have a big Supreme calf tattoo. Right. Uh, I probably get the Stumptown Coffee logo, like a full, a full back piece. I like it. Yeah, a full, huge. So you could see it. Just like giant, and then maybe like again, like a JJ Reddick down Voodoo Donuts down the other oh, arm. Voodoo Donuts. Yeah. yeah. It's. I've never been actually to Voodoo Donuts. It's. Uh, Renowned. It's more silly than it is. It's a fine donut. It's okay. a fried piece of dough. You okay. know, they'll fry up a piece of dough for you, and then put some some sugary stuff put on. Put some it. sugary. The, my they used to. So when it was just a Portland thing, there's one mm. in L. A. Now, but they would put. This is why it's popular. There's one here? I think there's one in Universal City Walk. I think. Okay, I told you I live on the west side. I you would never come. At, you I might, only come here and then I go back home. It would literally be easier to fly to Portland it's to go to that one. Very far to go places here. They put a uh, cup of Nyquil in a donut. And the FDA had to tell them that wasn't Shut up. okay. Did they really? Yeah, when they were like first, Why you know, would they coming do that? just because they were weird, like <laughs> like weird punk rock dudes. Okay, who opened you Did know you like try this, this donut place? I've never tried the Nyquil donut. I've had donuts after ingesting Nyquil. Is it a? <laughs> You did it yourself. I've done it myself. You mixed it in your mouth. Yeah, it tastes yeah, better that way. Exactly. Wait, right. yeah. I just like um, I turned my stomach into the big uh, the big kettle. <laughs> um, so you bring up Portland. This is an excellent transition. Yeah. You, you should be a podcast host. You have a podcast. Oh you yeah, do the all fantasy, all everything. fantasy, everything. You're, it's your professional. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to talk Blazers with you because you're very busy and you have to go and do an entire show with James Corden. We do you, have a show today. You do a show every. It's every day. <laughs> it's every day. Show. It's endless. You uh, get it. You know this podcast comes I out do quite regularly. Week and I'm tired. I go yeah. home and I have to lay down. It's, it takes me forever to play in this thing. I can't believe you do one every day. But you mentioned Portland, and I wanted to talk to— This is how I ended up uh, interacting with you yes. on Twitter, because you're a big Blazers fan. By the way, yes. I appreciate how much you defend Portland as a city. It's fun. And the Trailblazers as a team. So— On the ring, which which is a—which has, has— And I will say this, in your own building, has a slight anti-Trailblazer vibe with— 
How much they advocate trading Damian Lillard? The ringer staff, KOC, every time he comes on this program, he's, he advocates blowing up the backcourt. All the time! Uh, I feel like they don't get... I am uh, obviously first and foremost a follower of the Philadelphia 76ers. Of course, However, of as a, if I was going to adopt a team, Portland Trailblazers are fun. It, they've got fun uniforms. Yes. It's a fun court. Yes. It's a fun experience at Moda Center it's where so like, it's fun. a little dark and uh, they, they do like the mood lighting mm-hmm. and the fans are super into it and it's the only game in town. That's it. That's it. Unless you want to go watch the Timbers play Major League Soccer. I do not. Well, a lot of people in Portland do. I it's, know. It's, it's very they, much they that kind like, of city. <laughs> they have like a march to the game and it's shit, huge. right? It is. I, I'm not, I've become a bigger soccer fan in the last year, but... Um, I've never been much of a, and I still am not much of a soccer fan, right. but a live Timbers game is crazy because they I've do these big this. like TIFO things where they have like giant 60 foot like pieces of paper that they make it look like Freddy Krueger. Where do they make those? I have no idea. There are twee warehouses in Portland that are just for arts and crafts <laughs> that the city might sponsor. So that's, I mean, right. but like, yeah, there's a march. Everyone's wearing like scarves and drinking beer and singing. Stuff that happened in Portland before there was a soccer team, but now there's a purpose too. I feel it's it's like Brooklyn broke off and just moved to the Pacific Northwest. Oh, yeah. I, it's part I and I'm here for all of exactly. the, the bridges, which is, the what's whole so wonderful bit. about it. It's, yeah. a, it's a fantastic place. So I like the Blazers. I'm yes. supportive of the Blazers. I was very excited about them during the regular season last year. Sure. Less excited once they made it to the playoffs. They finished third in the regular season, mm-hmm. and then the Pelicans come out of nowhere and smack them. Uh, how did you feel about that? How do you feel about them now? I felt terrible about that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it it's was a awful session. to watch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, um, we ran into playoff Rondo and then Drew Holiday, who's a big guard. Mm-hmm. And I think Dame was like maybe a little more hurt than he let on, but it was still. So disheartening. It was because Dame had an amazing season. He was so CJ good. CJ had a good season. Defensively, they he were fantastic. He was first team All-NBA, Dame. You know? Dame was first team yeah. All-NBA. I, I thought what really surprised me about that team last year was, I believe, and I'm doing this off the top of my head, yeah. I think that they were eighth in defensive rating, which was surprising yes, to me. Yeah, they were good in defense. Generally, you look at them and you go, oh, that backcourt, they're just going to be really good offensively and they're yeah. going to try to outscore people. They played great defensively. And then, yeah, the matchup for them. I mean, Anthony Davis is a monster. Yeah. And like, as you mentioned, Drew Holiday is a really big guard, and that was a bad matchup for them. But I just I couldn't reconcile their regular season with their postseason. Now I have no idea what to make of them this year. I have I have less of a clue going into the season than I feel like I ever have before. Uh, we didn't really get anyone. We lo- I mean, we lost Ed Davis mm-hmm. in the offseason, which was tough. We lost Shabazz Napier, which seems like a weird thing to say, but he actually played pretty good. Like, I'm in charge of doing our, uh, we're doing these best and worst things right now for yeah. every team. Best case, worst case scenario. Oh, yeah. And I've got the Trailblazers just to come out uh, in a couple days on the ringer.com. Oh, great. Shame or, shameless plug. And I was going through what they lost and what, and I was like, do I even put down Ed Davis and Shabazz? I, you like, have to, or Portland, the people in Portland will very come for you. They'll come for you on Twitter. <laughs> okay. They loved Ed Davis so much. Yeah. They love somebody who just shows up and grabs eight rebounds and does nothing else. Portland <laughs> yeah, loves that player. Minutes, like, yeah. They're going to run him out there. Yeah. <laughs> he, but so we lost them and gained Seth Curry. So I don't even know, right, like you Seth said, Curry. if that's worth mentioning. And we drafted like a guy who was at IMG Academy, Anthony Simons, you mm-hmm. know, who, uh, who was like at not even at a college last year. I don't think anyone can expect him to come forward and do anything. And then again, as long as we have Evan Turner on the books, I love Evan. I love He's him too. He's just fun. He's that's, just fun. That's the thing about this team, and like uh, it's a thing I've come around on with uh, just being a Blazers fan my whole life, which is in the NBA, you know, one team is going to win the championship at the end of every season. And you've gone through this, this as a true. 76ers fan. One team wins. It's, I've done extensive research and the analytics have come back and <laughs> it turns out most seasons, most seasons, yeah. one team wins Somebody the championship. Somebody wins, right? Yeah. 
Other years it's no team wins, and then the next day yeah, they, of went, us have they been went two of them. Lately, yeah, it's like a skip. But uh, would I rather? Do I want to see the Trailblazers blow it up and go like and do the process, or is it fun for me to watch them win between forty four and fifty games every season, and like maybe get to the second round, and like when they come to LA, I get to come watch them beat you know the Lakers and the Clippers. When I'm back home, I get to watch a fun team, or do I want them to go through the process? And I've kind of made peace. And this might not be a popular opinion with other Trailblazer fans. I'm fine with him being like the five seed every season. I see. I think it is kind of a popular opinion because, yeah. like Olshay said after the season, you know, when he did his exit interview, and everybody's like, "What the fuck, man? You guys were good, and then you just got blown out by the Pelicans in, right. the, in the first round. Like, this is bad. What are you going to do? Are you going to blow up the team?" And he's like, "Look." It's hard to win this many games during the regular season. Yes. It's hard to identify two stars in your backcourt. It's hard to win, you know, 49 games uh, and be relevant. And there's something to be said for that. And yet then, like, as I was doing my preview, I'm like, okay, like, I get that point. Uh, everything I said, I, I love the aesthetics of the Blazers. Yes. I love watching the Blazers. You I love think the new the, BioFreeze logo. The, <laughs> as logos on your shoulder go, I mean, come on. Uh, but then I think to myself, like when I was trying to figure out like, what's the ceiling for this team? I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, last year was the ceiling regular season wise. Yeah. Right? Like maybe you went a round or two. You, maybe if you're really lucky, you get to the conference finals. That's the ceiling. And yeah. that's pretty much going to be it. Cause you've still, you're still in the same conference as the Rockets and the Warriors and now LeBron. Yeah. Unless Zach Collins turns out to be somebody, some something. some big player, but uh, which probably might have, might have. Also, Myers Leonard just won the MVP Zach of the Collins fan. Zach Collins is fest. your new Myers Leonard, by the way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, uh, well, Myers Leonard is always going to be my Myers Leonard. Myers Leonard is. Can we just have a quick Myers? Let's have Leonard a quick aside? Myers talk. Yeah. So uh, during the off season, a bunch of players come to LA. Yes. They it's like the home of the NBA during Everyone the offseason. Comes here, yeah. And they all work out and they have these crazy games all over the city. And one of the games is uh, Drew Hanlon's game out by LAX. And Embiid plays in it and Tatum and Jordan Clarkson and sometimes Beal and Markel Fultz was there. Myers Leonard was there. Yeah. I, Myers Leonard doesn't actually play a lot anymore for the trailblazers sometimes not, in reg not regular season regular minutes i wouldn't say <laughs> not in, you can't like they tried it two years ago we save him if we make the championship we're saving his legs for that you got it right you yeah. can't you can't exaust myers leonard you're no. gonna need him later on but two years ago they tried it and it didn't work out and he's just been around he comes to these games i'm like where's myers leonard been? yeah he's ripped up he's so ripped he's up so athletic yeah. i'm like i think i'm back in on myers leonard he's like seven he's like seven foot like val kilmer and top gun he's like, such a good looking human he's being. a great looking dude bodies all cut up rocking weird sunglasses <laughs> Taking lots of shirtless picks. Uh, like, yeah. really, like, getting into it with Embiid. Like, yeah. like really hyper-competitive. I'm like, he's how? always he's always, He was like that with DeMarcus Cousins, too. Anytime the Blazers play a team with DeMarcus Cousins, which is one of the uh, things that was too bad about that injury last mm -hmm. year, is that we were deprived of a Myers-Leonard-DeMarcus Cousins playoff I matchup. It. Which would have been explosive. We might have actually won the series, <laughs> weirdly, if DeMarcus played, just by building off of that La, la Passion that Myers-Leonard has. He's got it. He's got it. He is fun to root for. A lot of Portland fans hate on Myers Leonard. And there's also the thing, which is a little weird, where Portland is secretly more a more racist city mm. than mo like everybody wants to think it's I was all like aware of this. really nice coffee and like uh and tolerant weird donuts. Humans. Yeah, and tolerant humans. And yeah. there is a very thick fondant of that on the cake. 
But underneath, it's secretly like a <laughs> no. like a little racist place. It's a very white city. Yeah, well, it so is very white. It's a very white city, and then it's got a racist history. Weird to get into this on the heat check. Yes. I'm sorry We've about that. We've gotten into many strange things from <laughs> yeah. donuts and West Wing. Now we're getting into like uh, Portland's secret and racist racism. history. Yeah. But uh, so it's always like it's always a little dubious when Portland gets really attached to like a white basketball player sure. more than maybe. But then last year they loved Ed Davis way more. So hopefully things are changing. But uh, but he's just fun to root for. He's He's like a big golden retriever puppy out there who makes $11 million a year. <laughs> On paper, yeah, he should be – like I watch him physically and I'm I like, know. this is a human that I would be like, he should be out there doing stuff. If it was the year 800, he, people would think he was a god. He yeah. would walk around with a spear and mm -hmm. people would anoint him with oil. We need to get him a spear. Yeah. I think it would help him <laughs> on the court. Uh, all right, before you go, because like I said, you've got a whole show to go and do, uh, give me a prediction for your Trailblazers. Oh How do you, What do you think about them this year? I think they're going to finish fifth. Okay. Uh, and give the Lakers a run for the money in the first round. Take it to a game That'd seven. That'd be a fun first round. It's going to be, that's what I think what give it's going to be. Portland, LA, fly down. They're going to fly down here. I'm going to go to the games. Uh, and I will never find out what happens in game seven because I will be detained at Staples Center. And then uh, for, for, for getting into a fist fight with... Kuzma. All right. All right. That's All right. my that's my <laughs> prediction. That is a hell of a prediction. I yeah. I uh I think that's perfect. We're gonna we're looking forward to it. It's gonna be exciting. Yeah. Uh check him out on <laughs> the as the host of All Fantasy Everything on Netflix, of course, the late late show. Uh and now Milton is very upset that you've supplanted him as the, the most famous person on Heat Check. Milton and I are gonna do a buddy podcast. That's what we're gonna do. It's excellent. We'll we're be gonna do a rewatchables of a dog's life. I can't wait. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. All right, that was Ian. He killed it. Uh, we definitely have to have him back. That was a lot of fun. And now we'll bring in one of our favorites, Jonathan Sharks. Boom, shakalaka. He's heating up. He's on fire. Joining me on the other line, one of our favorites here at the Heat Check Podcast and the, the ringer.com. You can read all this stuff. He's got all kinds of stories up. Uh, staff writer extraordinaire, Jonathan Sharks. What's up, Sharks? What's up, guys? Glad to be back. It's back to being pod season. Pod season, NBA season. Because we're all sick and we have a sickness for basketball, we were on Slack this weekend talking about Luka Doncic's uh, debut. The Dallas Mavericks murdered the poor Beijing Ducks by, I don't know, uh, it was like 50 points. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, but for preseason, preseason is like, the NBA preseason is largely useless to me. Uh, you don't see a lot. Of, I mean, like teams tinker and like with the Lakers, they're, you know, they're experimenting with uh, Kuzma at the five, which I think is hilarious, but whatever. But you see like yeah. a little bit of tinkering, but you don't really... Like nothing really changes in the preseason barring injury. The storylines are set. We know basically what to expect. But with these young kids, there is some sort of excitement. So what did you make of Luca in that first game? Because the Ringer staff, very excited. I mean, we're all bloggers, right? We kind of, by, uh, by contract, we have to be into Luca. I mean, it's hard to say. Like, we know Luca can kill bad teams. We can, he can kill non-NBA teams. We know already. So I think there's not much to be learned from beating a bunch of NBA cast-offs in China, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, so he had a nice line. He played 30 minutes, which I think was interesting. Like, Rick's playing him into shape, man. Rick's uh, sweat off those pounds. So that's a point that I wanted to bring up. Um, so there's been some question about his body type, and he does look a little doughy. How do you feel about that? I actually haven't seen him yet because I was traveling last week, so I missed a freak of camp, and mm -hmm. then they're in China now. So I'm not totally sure. But here's my take on it. This is actually, I think this is Ethan Strauss's take, which is a good one. 
fat guys have room to grow because it's very easy to fix their <laughs> fatness. Okay. Right? Is it easy to fix well, them? Look, look, look. Draymond Green, Marcus All, Nikola Jokic, all those guys remade their bodies, became big draft steals. Yeah, Gasol is a great example. I mean, he was definitely soft when he came in, and now uh, he's in terrific shape, or it was last at last check. But I wonder though, there's also like the Ray Feltons of the world where they, you know, get a little pudgier. I just wonder this which way he might go. Well, I, I think also. So I talked to Bogdan last year for a feature, and one thing he told me, him and Luca are pretty tight. He said, "I told Luca, come to the league as soon as you can because you got to see it for yourself." Like when you get to America, you see how much work they put in their body, the kind of work it takes to be an NBA athlete. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes you speed your game up a little bit in terms of working on that. Because in Europe, it's not as big a deal. Yeah, no, no, that's a that's a really good point. Like the level of attention to nutrition and exercise and like making sure that you get the proper amount of sleep and like treating your body like it's your job because your body is your job is an important component that like, you know, maybe isn't as emphasized in uh, Europe, like in that Mina story where Mina went over to Spain and hung out with Luca, and they're like just in cafes the whole time, and he's eating chicken fingers. And I mean, shit. he's just like, living the Boris Diaw life. Yeah, man. I mean, can you blame yeah. him? Yeah, Boris is a great example. Boris, I mean, he's he's the quintessential uh, European, right? He's got his fucking espresso machine that he's bringing from locker room to locker room. Um, but so, yeah, I wonder, I wonder how Luca will get into that. I mean, I think Boris is probably the worst case scenario, right? If Luca gains like twenty five pounds, <laughs> yeah, and he becomes he's got like Boris. Boris had a great career, though. I know that's what I'm saying. Luca's floor is very high. It is very high. So there were a couple of plays in that game against the Beijing Ducks where uh, Luca like kind of like slow-mo put it behind his back and between his legs and then like had a runner where he... he uh, oh, like yeah. A, the, the Justin Hamilton runner. I remember yeah, that. It was a behind runner. his back, hanging in the air. Yeah, and yeah. he banked it off the backboard and then like immediately the internet lost his shit. And I was like, uh... I guess it was a good play. Like, like, what's the bar right now, right? Because he's. it wasn't like he was super shaking bacon somebody. He was not going that fast. He does look a little doughy. I was like, I guess that's a, go- a good move, but it is against the Beijing Ducks. Like, what is our bar for being impressed by Luka? I think what I want to see this year, one play I liked, he pulled up from like 29 feet one time and just shot it. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key for him is that deep, deep three-point range because it gives him more room to drive to the basket. Like, he needs to have the ultimate green light just take some bad shots this year. Just really stretch your shot out long, as far as it can go from the paint. I know. I, I think like he's going to have plenty of run. I mean, they're going to run him out there. I wonder though. Uh, so he is a good playmaker. He's got great court vision. How do you like the fit with Dennis Smith Jr.? Like, how do those two guys coexist on the court? Because uh, Dennis Smith Jr., obviously, like, hyper-athletic. He had a play the other night where he followed his own shot and threw down a ridiculous dunk on nobody because the guy, the defender moved out of the way. But still, he is super-athletic and wants to yam on everybody. But he can't really shoot yet, or he couldn't last year. He's still working on that. So how do those two guys coexist? Actually, I got a fun stat for you guys. Yeah, tell me. Dennis was way better catch-and-shoot threes versus off the dribble threes last year. Ah. The problem was he had nobody to get him open threes, you know, because no one on the Mavs could pass. Right. So don't, don't kill me for this. This is like really dumb, but I'm going to No, go I like it. it. So the Mavs are really trying to bite the Rockets. You put Luka in the Harden role, Dennis in the Chris Paul role, Matthews and Barnes in the Tucker Ariza roles, DeAndre in the Capella role. Obviously not as good as those guys, but I think that formula works with these players. This is interesting. Uh, and also right now on the ringer.com, KOC just wrote a story about the Mavericks saying that they could be better faster than we anticipate. Uh, you're in Dallas. You see them all the time. Are you buying the rapid acceleration and improvement of the Dallas Mavericks this year? 
why not, right? I'll tell you this. The Mavs people are all in. And like Rick normally does not sell hard on guys. Mm-hmm. Rick has been selling very, very hard on Luca, And like, that's not a thing Rick usually does. Rick is usually the down player on young yeah. players. And he's just like, whatever, I don't care. This guy's awesome. So it's like, all right, if Rick says so, I'll, I'll go with it. Where do you think he is on Dennis Smith Jr.? I mean, I think he likes Dennis. I think he's happy he has a better player than Dennis. I think if Dennis is your best player for the next five years... I think as a number two option, I think it makes it a lot easier. But I mean, I think off the court, him and Dennis got along pretty well last year. Like there was there was surprisingly good relationship considering Rick and Young point guards. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering about like how they coexist, and um, I think that point that you just made about Dennis Smith being a better two or even three. Yeah, like I like him. He's he's got a lot of potential. His ceiling is high. Uh, if he can you know hone that shot and become sort of a poor man's version of a Russ Westbrook, that would be great. Where he's bringing like. 100 mile an hour energy to the floor at all times when you can pair him with a guy like Luca who would clearly be your better your better player. I just wonder like DeAndre like what he has left, how much you're going to get out of Dirk is Harrison Barnes like actually a thing. Um <laughs> I just, yeah, I mean like I'd like for the Mavericks to be better. I just wonder. Yeah, I think with Dennis the thing to watch this year is free throw rate. He did not yeah. draw free throws to save his life last year. And yep. a guy like that, a slashing guard, has got to get to the line to be an efficient player. Draw some fouls, make your free throw shots. Uh, last one on Luca for you. Rookie of the year chances for him? I know you're really, really high on Jaron Jackson. Like, how do you feel about if you had to pick one of those two? I think Luca, just because of the role on his team. Rookie of the year is about stats and narrative. And I think Luca's going to have stats. The Mavs will be better than they were last year. That's all that really matters. Uh, I'm with you. It's all about opportunity and role and being present uh, is always good, uh, which brings us to our next guy who was not present last year, ostensibly will be present this year. Markel Fultz back with the Sixers. Uh, He was back on the court the other day. The Sixers thumped Melbourne United, uh, Australia's preeminent team. Uh, Fultz was fine. He had 14 points and four assists and a rebound and a couple blocks. Yeah, but I saw he had no three-point shots. Yeah, no three-point shots. In fact, didn't even come anywhere close to the arc except for when he was running past it, uh, you know, on his way back and forth on the court. He had an elbow jumper charks where he took a pull-up elbow jumper and made it and the crowd lost his shit like he was a conquering (laughs) hero. Uh, Is that... That's fantastic. I mean, like, how do we feel about Markel Fultz? How do you feel about the jumper? Is it okay if he's just building from, like, you know, the elbow and the nail out? I guess. I mean, better that than not taking shots at all, right? Like, I guess we're going to start at a low bar and work up. Yeah. I want to see him shooting threes, though. I'd like to see him just miss them even. Like, don't be like Ben Simmons. Just at least take the shot. So this was my thing. Like, okay, so it is is early. This is his first, like, real live competition since last regular season. And then he goes and he's playing Melbourne United and meh. Like, he doesn't really want to jack one up. And I, I guess, okay, uh, you're still, like, dipping your toe into the water. And, it's a concern, though, I think. Yeah, like, that would have been a good opportunity, right? Like, just take one. Yeah. Who cares? Like, what's the big deal? Um, I wonder, though, about that confidence level for him. He says that he's got it all the way back. But that elbow jumper that we were talking about, like, when I, I saw him uh, working out this summer with Hanlon out by LAX. And oh, like, you did? Yeah. You got to see him shoot jumpers? And, well, the thing that they drilled the most that I saw him working on the most was that pull-up elbow jumper. And, like, you know, when guys are in the offseason, they're trying to add certain aspects to their game, right? Like, there, some of the big men are using, they're going to try to add a new post move, or maybe they're trying to add a three-point shot or whatever. And they were just drilling, drilling, drilling that elbow jumper. And I wonder if that move, that spot, will be the spot that he goes to the most 
this season? Because like during the season, it's hard to add another element. It's sure. hard to like step out to the three if you're not comfortable already with the three. And I wonder if that shot is going to be like his go-to jumper spot. I guess. I mean, Gonz, but you know, like NBA guys can make threes in practice. Like I was at the Lakers practice the other day and JaVale was just draining threes. It doesn't really mean anything to make him in the game. Yeah. So to me, like, like I kind of wonder, like if I was the sixth, I tell Markel, go to the G League and take 10 threes in the game. I don't even care if they go in or not. Just take them. Right? Just like play your way into shape taking threes. Juliet mentioned this last year when she was advocating for him to go to the G League and like get a couple of games in down there. And I'm way out on G League and Markel Fultz just because yeah. like confidence wise, I wonder if that would shake him more. And like right now they're getting him back into the mix. He's with the team. He's playing in games. They started him the other night. And I want like, I think if you sent him down there just to shoot, it'd be like, oh, I've got a thing mm. that I need. I to, guess that, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I don't know. Have, you, have you talked to him before, Guns? Uh, I talked to him last season when he came back, but it was in a scrum. Okay. Did he seem like a confident guy or did he seem kind of like... He seems like a kid. He is a yeah. kid, right? Like, and, and I think that that's part... Like, JJ brought this up on his podcast last year where he... He was sort of like aggravated at the media last year where like in that period where Markel wasn't playing, but he was at practices and he was shooting and the media was like taking videos of him and his form and like, you know, his free throw form and every little thing was being dissected and talked about and criticized online. And JJ was like, he, he's just a kid. What are you doing? Leave him alone. And I'm like, well, part of it is the media's responsibility to do that. But also I do understand like when you're frustrated by that because he is a kid, right? Like yeah. he's 20 years old. So I think for him to be like, maybe if he was overwhelmed last year and he's got to get his confidence back, that's natural. Cause you're like to be the first pick in the draft and to go through all that. And then to be in a market like Philadelphia where they're a bunch of fucking maniacs. Like that's a lot for a kid to deal with. It's true. I mean, I will say it seems like in the regular season, it'll be fine. Cause you have like Sarich and Simmons. They'll play really fun. They'll move the ball. Then it's the playoffs, man. For the fixtures, it's the playoffs. Well, what's going to happen? I don't know. Yeah. And and you've mentioned this before when we've talked about it on the podcast. Like, in theory, what f they drafted Fultz to be is exactly what this team would love, right? Like, an, another oh, yeah. guy who could play on or off the ball, who could get his own shot or help others get shots, who could play a defense. He's got a little bit of a bigger body. Like, that's exactly what this team could use. They needed another guard. And if he can be even an approximation of what they drafted, that's a big win for them. I mean, he was a volume three-point shooter in college. This remains the most incredible thing I've ever seen in basketball. I, I've never seen anything like it before. It remains an incredible story to this day. So a so, couple more questions on Fultz before we move on to Carl Anthony Towns that you wrote about. They started Fultz the other night and brought JJ off the bench. So they were starting Simmons and Fultz. Without Fultz like, finding that three-point shot, can they start him? And I mean, like, do you like them bringing JJ off the bench? Does it make sense? Like, what I do can you see it. I think it depends on Sarich and Embiid. Can those guys be your floor spacers, right? Because you know, Compton will be the face on the floor, but you can have this really weird inverted offense with Dario spotting up, Embiid spotting up, and Simmons and Fultz attacking the basket. I mean, that might work in the regular season. Yeah, it might. I want. I just wonder if, like, what we're. I mean, I know, like, talk about like way too early to be, you know, reading the tea leaves on this because it's one preseason game and we have absolutely no idea what to make of like. It's what, never too early, guys. I know. I we Not can't. For we can't help ourselves. But I just wonder if, like, I keep thinking about that elbow jumper and like if that's what we're going to see more times and like that mid range game for him, and if it is just like Simmons and him, you know, taking mid range game 
shots and like trying to get to the rim all the time, if that works or because to me on paper, you'd have to stagger them. Yeah, I think you would want to. I mean, why not, right? If you have two ball dominant, poor shooting guards, there's no reason not to stagger them. Fun times for the Philadelphia 76ers. Less fun times for the Minnesota Timberwolves, Charks, who Ooh, are in man. the process of trying to get rid of Jimmy Butler. I talk, if they even are at this point, who knows? Who knows? What day is today? What hour is it? We never know. I talked to Shay about that earlier. But you just wrote a great piece on the ringer.com about Carl Anthony Towns and how the Carl Anthony Towns era will start in earnest despite Tom Thibodeau. Um, what are you seeing from him? I mean, to me... I feel like Carl Anthony Towns not raising more of a ruckus last year is like a good sign for him as like, oh, this is a high character guy because he was so poorly used on both sides of the ball. It's like, if I was Towns, I'd be pissed. So the high character thing is interesting because Towns gets a rap for being like a little weird at times, right? But you're right. He didn't complain and and be like, yo, Jimmy is a really good player and a veteran and he's helped like push us into relevance and playoff status. However, I'm sh- I should still be the guy, right? I'm still the guy, aren't I? Here's a stat that blew my mind. So there was 28 20-point ga- game scores last season in the NBA. Carl Towns was second in true shooting percentage behind Steph Curry at those 28. Wow. He was dead last in usage rate. Dead last. It's crazy. He's like, I can score buckets at will. Give me the freaking ball, please. You know, the usage rate thing is interesting just in general. Like if you were doing it in a vacuum and asking me to, like, I would be surprised by that. I'm even more surprised by it on a Tibbs team where he runs his like five or six guys into the ground and like the minutes load was there, but for him not to have the like attendant usage rate is But here's the thing. So Tibbs is like, I'm going to feed you in the post, but I'm going to play next to Taj or Gorgie the entire game. Yeah. So it's like, well, that guy's going to sit in Carl Towns' lap the whole game anyways. Yeah. Whenever he posts up, he's posting up in traffic. Yeah, that's a good and then, point. And then on defense too, like, so in that Rockets-Wolf uh, series, Towns getting killed on defense. Like, Towns, you suck at defense. He's like, I'm dropping pick and rolls against James Harden and Chris Paul. I'm giving them <laughs> three points every single time. I'm going to look terrible. I'm watching Capella switch the screen and guard in three-point line. So not only am I running a bad defensive scheme, it's outdated, I'm sacrificing my body to get exposed on defense. They're blaming me for my poor defense when it's really my coaching staff. Like, if I'm Towns, I'm like, get out of here, man. So that that's an interesting point, too, because Tibbs obviously made his bones in Boston about being like a defensive guru, right? And like, I wonder how much of it is chicken and egg because you do, Cat got knocked last year during the regular season, not just in the playoffs, for having lackluster defense. And I think part of it was justified. There were times when I'd look at him and be like, that's fucking shit effort. And then there are times, as you mentioned, in the playoffs where you're like, the scheme here is just off. So I wonder, can... Carl Anthony, like, let's say Jimmy Butler is gone, right? And then they finally do find a deal and it's going to be Cat's team by hook or crook. Like, do things change anyway? Because he is still playing next to Taj and Gorey and he is still playing for Tom Thibodeau. Yeah, that's the thing. Because like people call Tibbs like a defensive guru, but he had a scheme. It's like in the NFL, like, oh, this guy is a 3-4 coach. Tibbs is a drop, pick and roll scheme guy, flood the weak side, you know, crowd the floor. That's his scheme. But the league has moved past that now. So he's running an outdated scheme. So it's not even the quote unquote guru or not. I don't think. I, like, I wonder, I mean, I, I was about to say, I wonder if Tibbs can change, but we haven't gotten any indication <laughs> of that because he keeps, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like such a silly thing. Like, I'm like, oh, maybe this is the year Tibbs adapts. No, of course not. Because like, he's still like uh, stockpiling all his old players. I mean, he's, he's tripled down. He's like literally tripled down. Yeah, he's tripled down. He wants to do. um, he's playing D-Rose at the two guard now. Like that tells you what he, where he's thinking. If, if Jimmy Butler goes, 
What do you think that does for Wiggins? Because two years ago, without Jimmy Butler, uh, Wiggins had at least statistically a better year. Do we think it could potentially be a bounce back year for Wiggins, or are you like pretty much set on what you think of him? I think it just depends who they get back for him. Like Minnesota was, I think they were dead last in threes last year. And like Wiggins is a slashing guard and there's nowhere to go on the court. He's playing with Teague, Butler, Ties. They're all bad shooters. They're all like kind of average shooters. If they don't get more floor space, what's he going to do? Wiggins needs to be in space. He's not exactly an instinctive player who can go through tracks and traffic. He needs like wide open lanes to the basket. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in Minnesota. It remains one of like the most fascinating storylines. Uh, I can't wait to see if they can unload Jimmy Butler. And like, I, I've already talked myself out of any chance of uh, Tibbs even tweaking his system even a little bit. But I do want to see what happens with Cat. Here's my take with that. Like, if you look at Tibbs' old players, Rose, Noah, Dang, Ashik, they're all dead in the water at like 31. So if I'm Minnesota, this is probably for the best. Let's get Tibbs out of there. Let's save our best players by. It's a long-term build. Stop rushing things. Your best players are 22, 23. <laughs> it's, it was fun while it lasted for a year, Minnesota. Congratulations. You're back to being Minnesota again. Uh, we'll be yeah. on the lookout for that. We'll be on the lookout for all things Jonathan Sharks on the ringer.com. What do you have uh, in the works? What can you plug for I us? Got a, I got a big Jokic piece coming eventually. So I want to talk to him out in San Diego, talk at training camp. I'm excited for that. Yeah. Jonathan Sharks on the ringer. Be on the lookout for his Jokic piece. Want to thank him. Want to thank Shea Serrano. Want to thank Ian Carmel, who was on the program. Want to thank Isaac Lee, as always. Be sure to check out all of our content on the Ringer Podcast Network, including the NFL show. We've got Mays and Clark doing their thing, GM Street, Danacy Football, and of course, the NBA show. NBA is back. We've got all kinds of content on our Ringer NBA show feed. We've got Heat Check will be here uh, weekly. Verno and KOC group chat. We'll have sources say other every other week. We'll have a show for you on Friday that we'll be rolling out. So be sure to check out all of that. And if you don't mind, please rate and review us on Apple. That would be wonderful. We really appreciate you guys listening and we will be back next week. Thanks, gang. <laughs>